I don't know. Is Fifth Harmony really a, a guilty pleasure? Maybe. Song just makes me want to dance. I want to dance. Yeah, we'll talk politics instead. Michael John joins me on the line, and uh, he kicked off his leadership uh, bid this morning. Michael, I, I don't know what to make of this. The fact that you're born 1971, Justin Trudeau is, is it a sign that I'm getting old that the political leaders are the same age as me? <laughs> I think that's a good sign. <laughs> a sign that a new generation has taken up the helms of leadership. You started off, uh, I'm going to ask you if your elevator pitch for why you should be leader in a moment. But you started off talking about your uh, family story. Like my family, your parents are immigrants, but unlike mine, they came from two various, very different parts of the world. Mm-hmm. Give us the quick version. Well, my father was a Chinese immigrant from Hong Kong, and my mother was a Dutch immigrant from the Netherlands. So one was from Asia, and the other one was from Europe. Um, but the thing, that, the thing that really united the two was the fact that Canadian soldiers defended uh, my father's family and liberated my mother's family during the Second World War. Um, it was the battle of Hong Kong uh, that my father witnessed when the Royal Rifles of Canada and the Winnipeg Grenadiers um, were uh, slaughtered in a vicious assault yep. um, during that battle. And my dad witnessed that, and he never forgot the sacrifice of those soldiers. And on my mother's side of the family, her family was liberated by Canadian soldiers um, during the liberation of the Netherlands, and that's something the Dutch have never forgotten. So my family owes a great deal uh, to the generation of Canadians who came before and who gave everything uh, so that me and my family could live. So now you want to get back. Let's pretend, and I, I put this question to Maxime Bernier earlier. We're at, we meet up in, in uh, Vancouver at the convention, mm-hmm. and I'm not Brian the media guy. I'm Bob the delegate. Mm-hmm. Give Bob the delegate your elevator pitch on why Michael Chong should be leader of the Conservative Party of Canada. Well, quite simply for two reasons. The first is that we need to attract new people to this party, not just during the leadership race, but in the next election. And that begins by better telling our story, um, our story of who we are as conservatives. That's why I've been telling my story about my family's immigration to this country. Um, And secondly, I believe it also begins by attracting new people, by putting forward ambitious new policies based on conservative principles. So things like reform of our personal and corporate income tax systems so that we have a flatter, simpler, and a fairer and lower uh, personal and corporate income tax system. It, it's about putting forward in policies on environmental issues that reflect our proud tradition on conservation and on protecting the environment. And finally, it's about democratic renewal. We need to reform the House of Commons and the Senate uh, to make sure that the people's voice is always heard front and centre. And so we put forward those policies, if we articulate those principles, um, and if we tell our story, I think we'll attract new people during the campaign, but also in the next election. Okay, I I, want to get into democratic reform with you because we've debated it. We've talked about Mm -hmm. it. We've also debated it because I've I've liked some parts of your reform bill, not other parts. But it's far better than what the government's putting up. But let me pick up on what you said about conservation. Mm -hmm. It's true that conservatives have done more for conservation of land and parkland in this country than anybody else. That's right. But you do not get credit for it. And you could turn around tomorrow and invoke everything that the uh, far-left environmental movement wants, and you still wouldn't get credit for it. Mm-hmm. So how, how does that translate into votes or at least deadening the attacks to put this idea forward? Because it, it seems like shorthand for 
the radical environmental movement, but also many in the media, that conservatives hate the environment. Mm-hmm. It's emphatically not true. It wasn't true of the last government. It wasn't true of previous conservative governments. Mm-hmm. But how do you break through on that? Well, I think all the good work we did on conservation over the last 10 years was drowned out by our position on the issue of climate change. I think we as conservatives need to acknowledge that carbon pricing is here and it's coming to a much greater extent. Where we, What we need to do is establish a clear position on that uh, pricing of carbon. And where I differ from the Liberals is that I believe strongly that those revenues should be used to cut personal and corporate income taxes. Um, liberal governments in this country at the provincial level and at the federal level um, and in the province of Alberta um, NDP government there are using those revenues to fund programs, and I think that's the wrong approach. If we fund programs using those revenues, it becomes the pricing of carbon becomes nothing short of a of a tax grab. But if we use the revenues to cut income taxes, we actually achieve a second result. In addition to reducing emissions, we'll achieve um, a reduction in personal income taxes and in business taxes, which will spur job creation and economic growth. Uh, when Patrick Brown promised to carbon uh, to put a price on carbon. We polled on that, and 82% of PC voters in Ontario said they disagreed with their party leader. I had I asked the, the audience, what, would, what do you want me to ask these guys? And mm-hmm. several people said, I won't vote for someone that brings in a carbon tax. Well, it's not a question of whether or not a government will bring in a carbon tax. They've already ro- arrived, these taxes. Um, the province of British Columbia already has a carbon tax. The government of Alberta already has a carbon tax. And the province of Ontario and the province of Quebec are introducing, are in the process of introducing a cap-and-trade system. So the pricing of carbon is already here in Canada. The question is what to do with the revenues. And it's no small question because these revenues are going to be in the billions of dollars. My view strongly is they need to be used to cut taxes. They should not be used, not a cent of it should be used on government programs. We have enough government revenue. We cannot make carbon pricing uh, into a tax grab, we have to use those revenues to cut personal income taxes. Now, I, I unfortunately, I, I saw you walking in mm-hmm. uh, this morning. We bumped into each other on Wellington Street as you were walking down the street with your lovely family and that gorgeous kids, by the way. Congratulations Thanks. to you and your wife. Uh, they, uh, but I, I couldn't stick around. I had to come down here for the the radio show. Somebody said to me that you had announced uh, not cutting personal income taxes off of uh, carbon taxes, but off of uh, consumption taxes. Are they one and the same, or are you talking about raising the HST? I'm not talking about raising the HST. Um, What I'm referring to is a shift from income taxes to consumption taxes. A price on carbon is, in effect, a type of consumption tax. So that's what I'm referring to when I talk about a shift from income taxes to consumption taxes. I have um, uh, talked on the air extensively, with, including with people that have long histories in, in both preceding parties, about the fact that I, I think this whole red Tory, blue Tory thing is overblown, but that's one of the knocks against you. I, mm. I think it's over-exaggerated. I, I think that uh, the, the so-called divisions inside the Conservative Party are often media creations that, to have a storyline. But, I, but a, one, one of the knocks against you is Michael Chong's just a red Tory. I'm 100% with you on this, Brian. I think those old divisions are, are gone. And I'll tell you why. It's not just gone within the Conservative Party. I think the old classification, if I can use that word, between left and right and center, not just in Canada, but south of the border, is, doesn't make sense anymore. You know, if we look at 
the candidates for the Republican and Democratic leadership races south of the border, you know, the way you'd hear some of the policies coming out of Donald Trump, you'd think he's a Democrat. And conversely, some of the policies, <laughs> I might say he is. <laughs> yeah. You, and some of the policies you hear coming out of the other candidates, you might think that they're Republicans. So I think that old uh, system of classifying people is, is doesn't make sense anymore. You know, the Conservative Party is a united party. Um, those old divisions from the two predecessor parties are gone. I think really what this upcoming leadership campaign will be all about is a debate on issues, a debate on environmental issues, a debate on democratic reform, a debate on economic reforms that will achieve job creation and economic growth. You talked about, um, you emphasized, in fact, uh, smaller government, free trade, lower taxes. Absolutely. Why? Because I believe those policies are the are the way forward for prosperity in this country. These were the policies that were introduced by governments in North America and in Europe in the 1980s. They were difficult policies to introduce at the time, but they have created millions of new jobs. You know, between Confederation and uh, 1990, Canada's economy grew to about $900 billion. In the last 25 years alone, it has grown to more than double that size, to $2 trillion. And it has created, we've had 4.9 million new jobs created in this country since the introduction of the free trade agreement. At a time when the population was growing. At a time the population is growing, but not nearly to reflect that huge increase in economic output and job creation. So I believe lower taxes, um, harnessing the power of free markets, harnessing the power of uh, free trade, is the way to go for the future of this country. And, you know, some people, they cr- criticize those policies. Um, they think that they're, they're no longer relevant in 2016. I strongly disagree. I think we have to double down on our efforts to constantly expand trade, to lower taxes, and to ensure that, you know, we have a competitive economy. We live in a globalized uh, economic environment where things move very right. quickly, and we need to leverage that. And if we do that, we will become even more prosperous. The issue of democratic reform, uh, the current minister in charge of that file says we need to get rid of our our current voting system because, well, it comes from the eight, uh, 19th century. I'd hate to hear what she thinks about the Magna Carta, for goodness sakes. But where do you stand? Uh, are, do we need to get rid of first past the post? Or what I like about your proposals are deadening the uh, the power of the central party operatives. Well, I, the, the way I see these other guys going, we're going to have more power in the hands of party operatives with proportional rep and everything else. Absolutely, Brian. I, I strongly disagree with the government's approach. The, the current government has said that they would like to see a preferential ballot. That will, in fact, make the problem in Ottawa first, worse. And here's why. Many people who argue in favor of electoral reform do so on the basis of the following argument, that parties with less than 50% of the popular vote win a majority of seats in the House of Commons. So in other words, on October 19th, the Liberals won uh, 39% of the popular vote, but they won a majority of the seats in the House of Commons, some 180 seats out of 338 seats. On their favored system, which is the preferential ballot, they would exacerbate the problem. They'd make the problem even worse, because on a preferential ballot last October 19th, the Liberals would have won some 230 seats. So they actually would make the problem worse. You know, the real problem in Ottawa is this. It's not the way in which we elect members of parliament. It's
it's what happens to those MPs when they arrive in Ottawa. They become under the they go under the thumb of the PMO and the party leaders, regardless of who's in power. That's right, and so that's why we the, the fundamental problem is the power of the PMO and party leaders to control elected MPs. We need to rebalance that power um, by introducing further reforms to the House of Commons and Senate. All right, Michael Chong, thanks so much. His website is chong.ca if you want to find out more. Thanks for having me, Brian. And hopefully we can chat when uh, when we're in Vancouver and you've got an open invite here uh, throughout the campaign. Thanks so much. Thanks. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. Drop me a note. Let me know what you think. Beyond the News at CFRA.com.